Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our midweek edition of Two Guys in a Mic. I'm one of your hosts, Big Sean. And I'm your other host, RP. All right. I hope everybody, hope everybody's having a good week. It's cold, it's frigid here in Cleveland, Ohio. Cold as hell. Probably about 25 degrees right now, but that's that's the norm. It's the end of January going into February. But once we hit February, you know, the light is at the end of the tunnel. That's the as hope. far as get, get, getting out of this winter wonderland that we live in. So um, so we have a few things that we want to discuss today. Um, and by it being the anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, as well as I think it was with 11 other people um, uh, on a yeah, helicopter. And uh, I do apologize that I did not, you know, uh, write their names down, but, you know, you want to honor them as well. So 13 total on that uh, helicopter that crashed in California. And um, so we kind of wanted to touch on, you know, what was Kobe's legacy, you know, what he meant to us, you know, as, as an athlete and as a person. So, um, Ron being, you know, growing up, he was a huge Lakers fan. So I'll let him go ahead and, and start off with uh, with that. You know, the, the funny part, though, about that, Sean, is I was a huge, 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 as you said, I was a huge Lakers fan. Magic Johnson is my favorite player of all time. and <clears throat> You know, uh, watching that team as we were growing up as kids, you know, when I when I started liking them, it was easy to because the Cavs were so awful during that, you know, the early 80s. Right. Uh, the Cavs were horrible during the early 80s when I started watching basketball. So uh, with the Lakers and the Celtics coming on, seemed like every Sunday, seemed like they played every Sunday. I know they didn't, but that's what it felt like. If, if they weren't they playing was, together, every, they were every, on, every Sunday, they were on every Sunday. If they weren't playing yeah, like, like every, every Sunday and every um, finals with them and the right. Celtics, and, re- and remember back then they didn't have national coverage the way they do now. So right. early on in the eighties, we they had what they would call like Sunday afternoon basketball on CBS. Sometimes on Saturday with Tommy Heinsohn and Vern Lundquist. Yeah, sometime a big game. It had to be a playoff game for it to be a Saturday game, though. Yeah, um, uh, and you were probably and they pretty much rotated the Lakers, Celtics. The Sixers, yeah, the Rockets, uh, the Knicks, yep, they'll show Milwaukee, they'll throw oh, them in there, yep. 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 So and that was pretty much it. Like you really didn't see, you didn't get you know, a lot so of many teams. And uh, and again, unfortunately, the Cavs were so awful. If you wanted to see good basketball, you weren't gonna see it watching the Cavs on Channel Forty Three. <laughs> I take that. <laughs> not early in the eighties. This is we're talking early eighties, like. Say eighty one through about eighty five, eighty six ish, you know, eighty six really? until they drafted uh, Mark Price, Ron Harper, right. and Jordan. So I right. was like, I was eighty six. That was like eighty six. So now they, they were making the playoffs, but they get swept in the first round. Like they, every I mean, time. they was getting handily swept too. But and they were still young. Like I don't think Mark Price was fully who he ended up being. Like a couple of years later, after he first got drafted, he ended well, up. Well, being I, even, I, just, I meant I was, I was kind of meaning before then, before they got there. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, in 85 ish, I remember him making the playoffs, but nobody expected much out of him. But the, the point of me bringing that part up was that was one of the reasons why it was easy for me to like 
somebody else, another team. <laughs> That's why I ended up, you know, liking Magic. I love Magic. Uh, I love the Lakers back then. But the crazy part is that when Kobe got there, I didn't like the Lakers so much. I didn't really, I okay. really wasn't a big Kobe fan. Uh, and that lasted pretty much throughout his career. I wasn't like a huge Kobe fan. Now, I liked him more probably as he got closer to retirement, but that was more uh, my respect. I always had respect for him. And I think my respect, I understood. I looked at him more like I looked at Larry Bird. Like, while I hated Larry Bird while he played, that dude was, he was the man. And you, you know, I hear people always disrespecting Larry Bird now, the younger cats. And I'm like, dude, you couldn't have seen this guy play. Like, he was incredible to watch play. That's how I felt about Kobe. I never missed when I was a season ticket holder. I mean, you know, the crazy part of him is one game that Kobe played in. That was his last game in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I, but I didn't know. We didn't know that, that he was going to retire. It wasn't like he said, okay, next year is going to be my last year. We had split the tickets with uh, another buyer. And I was being nice, like, okay, I'll let them see the Lakers because the Lakers weren't that good that year. So I'll let them go see the Lakers. I've seen Kobe play a, a million times. And then, like, literally about a week or two later, they was like, uh, they was going to, um, he was announcing his retirement. I'm like, dude, can I get those tickets back? Because <laughs> right. I got to see the Bing playing his last game. But Kobe was like that bridge to me. He's like that bridge from the old school and into the new school. He played like the old school guys. He played with some of the old school guys. He had that drive that the old school guys had. You know, back in the day, it was all about championships. We ain't win a chip. They was like, what you playing for? What you show up exactly. for? Um, and that was always the drive. You know, Michael, Magic, Bird, all those guys, Isaiah, they woke up in the morning tasting another championship. And Kobe was from that ilk. He was one of those cats that felt like to be the best, you just got to be the best and I'll do whatever it takes to be the best. And I didn't see that in him early on. I didn't understand what the thing was, why the Lakers felt like they had to have him and yada, yada, yada. Later on, I started to see what it was. I mean, he was just an incredible player. And, you know, to, to, to go back to last year, you know, I was traveling a lot at that time, and I just got back home. And uh, you know, I have this. I have a. I have a fear. I have a fear of heights, but I really don't like flying. I don't have a fear of flying. I just don't like flying. Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes any sense, I don't even know if that makes sense. No, I but, get it. Um, <clears throat> to hear that he passed away in a in a in a uh, aircraft accident helicopter and I know it was but no, that like really just kind of shook me because I'm like man you just don't you really just don't know and I'm on the plane eight times a month you know during that time so it really it really just left me feeling a little bit weird about flying and I really I think I've only flown like twice since okay you know but uh you know and that's just on our end I think the bigger loss of course is is at home his wife his other daughters, um, the Laker family, I think they feel the biggest holes because they knew this guy. This wasn't just a guy who they seen play basketball. This wasn't just a guy who was on a commercial. This wasn't just a guy who was, you know, uh, 
who was viewed like as an asshole because he was on, uh, you know, he was an opponent or whatever. This was, right. a, this was a father. This was your, your husband. Uh, this was your friend, you know, and I remember watching the, the, uh, the tribute, you know, when they had Shaq and those guys on the thing, man, and them cats couldn't even talk. Like that's how, that's how much of an impact he left on them. Like them guys right. couldn't even hardly talk. Shaq couldn't barely talk without crying. Uh, you know, all these guys all around the league, man. You know, when them games started back up, like the next day or whatever, like they said, they said Kyrie was in the building when he found out and he just left. Like they they turned around, and he was just gone. Mm -hmm. he, couldn't, he couldn't even be in the building. Uh they said the same thing about uh about uh Carmelo. That Carmelo and Carmelo didn't come back for like a week. He just stayed like I'm telling you, the impact like that we felt was nothing compared to the impact that he left on those guys. And that's the way. Right. Like that's that right there let me know all I needed to know if I ever had any doubt or ever had any different kind of thought about uh Kobe or the type of person that he was, is when you saw those guys, his peers, the guys that knew him. Right. Right? The guys that hung, even the guys who might not have liked him so much, they all were impacted by, by that. Um, what was what's you know your take on on that? Well, you kind of leading exactly into what the point that I was going to make. Because um, the thing that I like about watching anybody's story, or if um, you know, I like to read you know biographies and autobiographies and stuff like that because people that have achieved you know perceived greatness or greatness mm -hmm. um i don't look at the um the end results the money the fame the fortune the accolades or whatever i always look at what did they have to sacrifice to get there right and what um or how did they grow as a person so like the, one of the most fascinating people to me um was like malcolm x watching mm -hmm. his growth progression. Kobe, mm -hmm. to me, not compare him to Michael Mex and not Ilk, but as far as his progression as a man and growth as a man, I loved his um, yeah. his growth because, you know, um, when Kobe came into the league, I wasn't a Kobe fan either. And you know me, um, at that time, you know, and I still am in, in a sense, I was like just Cleveland and die. I ain't care about nobody else's <laughs> basketball team. Like for real. And they win a championship. I'm like, I don't care about the damn Lakers <laughs> at all. And to me, like Kobe um was like a gun. He to me, he was like a selfish. Well, really, once once Shaq left, once he ran Shaq out of there, um, yeah, and they started me, to struggle. Me just like him a lot too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and they and they had all those lingers. I was like, yeah, why is everybody Kobe this, Kobe that? And once Shaq left, he couldn't do anything, you know, on his own. Right. Um, he rubbed his teammates the wrong way. He was very brash, abrasive, um, kind of an a-hole, a jerk. Yeah. Um, but you saw him, I noticed subtle changes, like later on in his career mm -hmm. with the Olympic team, how guys were taken to him. He was mentoring guys um, right. and like the esteem that they were holding him in. And even when he was playing on those losing teams in L.A., um, 19, you know, 2003, 2004 Kobe would have forced his way out of LA. Yeah. The new version of Kobe was like, I'm going to mentor these guys and show them how to win. Um, 
and you didn't hear him bickering and complaining, you know, when they weren't making the playoffs those years. He just tried his best to be the best example, and he was a warrior. And that's one thing I always admired was his competitive yeah. spirit. Yeah. Um, and that's when they could always make this comparison to Jordan. I don't compare Kobe to Jordan as far as their his dominance. I compare Kobe to Jordan as far as his attitude, mm -hmm. uh, what they call the mama mentality, the killer instinct. Kobe would literally go out there and try to rip your heart out and didn't yeah. care. That was his whole point of waking up. Like yeah. He woke up that morning like, oh, yeah, yeah, him. That's the guy who I was dreaming about last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the part, you know, of his game that I admire the most. Now, one thing that I'll, I regret in my um, years as a sports fan is I never really made a purpose to go out to see the superstars and they came in town. Out of all the three teams that we have here, I've probably been to the Cavs games the least. Um, really? So I didn't get a chance to see Jordan. <laughs> But a lot of that, I was little, so it wasn't up to me whether or not I was going to the game or not. And then once I got older, I was in college in those later years. You know, so I never really got to see, you know, the NBA greats when they came to town. But I did get to see Kobe's. I think you took to one game. This may have been right after LeBron left the first time. So we had Kyrie by that time. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We went back and forth, too. Kyrie and, right. and Right, uh, I, uh, Kobe were going back and forth, like scoring. And I snapped a, I snapped a picture of Kobe Bryant at the free throw line. Um, so he's probably outside of LeBron, is probably the biggest superstar I got to play in person. I think did I see Durant? I'm not mind seeing Kevin Durant come in town a couple of times. I can't remember the other because I I know we've been to at least we went to a games. few. We've been to at right. least three games together. Um, at least three. I think we might have been a couple more. Might but, be a little bit more than that. Probably. But I know for sure. And I, But, of course, I can't remember all of the games that we went to. Uh, all of the actual teams that we were playing against, rather. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, Kobe is, for me, I think I've seen him outside of LeBron. I've seen LeBron a million times play, you know. Um, so, outside of LeBron, I think Kobe and Shaq would would be next or Paul Pierce. I saw a lot of them uh, every time. Tim Duncan, I tried to make sure because I'm like you. As a kid, I never saw Magic play in, in real life. I saw him on TV a lot. Uh, I only saw Jordan when he was with the Wizards, which wasn't bad, but that wasn't the that wasn't the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same guy you really wanted to, uh, that you were really trying to see back then. Uh, I saw Isaiah play, and that's it. I never saw Bird play in real life. I seen Bird coach, never saw him actually play. So right. as I got older, I just wanted to try to be able to say I saw those guys. Uh, and I was blessed to be able to, you know, be a season ticket holder. And I got a chance to watch most of those guys throughout their career. Most of those guys, I seen every last one of them at one point or another. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, but just, just my, my final take on that. Or just that I love to see his uh, his growth. And really, one of the best memories I have of Kobe is not really of Kobe at all. It was when um, they were trying to create the LeBron versus Kobe thing, and they had the puppet commercials. Mm -hmm. I thought those were some of the best commercials. Those were hilarious. That night, yeah, hilarious. too bad. Uh, uh, Mike Brown had the worst defensive plan against Orlando Magic in the history of coaching. And we didn't, in that finals... <laughs> With LeBron and 
Kobe was not realized, but that's that's another that's another yeah, story. Not, listen, I tell you what rabbit hole we're not finna go down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not about that because uh yeah, yeah, Mike Brown. Bruh. Right. But um, you know, but you see the impact he's had on guys. Um, I just I'd like I just like to see guys grow and mature. Yeah. And 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 Kobe was that, and he'll surely be missed. Um, when he passed, I was in shock. As a matter of fact, when I first heard the news, you know how people are always playing these pranks, saying so and so died or whatnot. I didn't believe it. Of course, and not. and I put my phone down. I was like, oh man, somebody out here just playing around. And then my phone just started blowing up. Probably about like twenty minutes after that, mm-hmm. and I was just like, man, it kind of felt like a emptiness. And I normally don't have that reaction towards celebrity deaths. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I keep trying to keep things in perspective, but that one, just because of the suddenness of it and because of who he was, um, you know, that one kind of left me feeling empty. The only other celebrity death that kind of really hit me like that of all people was Anthony Bourdain. Um, yeah, because I just because of the way that he was living his life, and this goes to show yeah. that you never know what somebody is going through. Yeah, I because I, I really don't say that I envy somebody's life or something like that because you don't know what they're going through. But like Anthony Bourdain was one. I'm like, this dude just traveling around the world eating, drinking, right. smoking weed and talking shit. You know, what What better life can you have? He had just yeah. got married, had a baby girl. And it seemed and, like he was having a good time doing it. But, yeah, you know. Exactly. And then the dude commits suicide. Like so, yes, yeah, so you never know what people are, are going through. But, uh, but yeah, man, um, like I said, Kobe will definitely be missed, and my respect level for him is uh, is way up there, man. Just as far as the competitor that he was, and then the man that he turned out to be, you know. Yeah, he, yeah, he was definitely a guy that kind of showed me that you know you can make mistakes and you can do things wrong, uh, but you can also overcome the things that you did wrong. Yes, most definitely. Uh, change you can you can refocus and get your get yourself back on that uh, on that energetic path that you were on before and you know uh, it's not like he's the only example of that but I'm I know that he his mistakes or mistake was very high profile mm-hmm. uh, all over the place everybody was reporting about it hell uh, even in his death you had people asking questions about it still so right. You know, it's something that continues to follow him and continues to follow his uh, his legacy. And to me, him, I think it is a part of his legacy, but I think the bigger part of the legacy is how he overcame those things, uh, how he ended up, like you said, the maturation, not allowing that mistake to, you know, just affect him in a negative way. It affected him in a positive way. Right. And that, you know, that, that's like that's something to be uh, commended because we don't see that a whole heck of a lot. So, again, you know, my I still feel a little bit of hurt. I'm like, Sean, I was in complete and total shock when I heard. I didn't believe it either. And it just, you know, kind of was like one of those, like, wow. Like, I was really literally in some level of shock. And I don't, I'm like you, I don't get like that about, especially, you know, celebrity passings. Uh, I think the, the other time that it happened with me was when, when Fife, uh, five dog passed away. Okay. Like, that like I was hurt because I felt like I grew up with this guy. I yeah. didn't, but I felt yeah. like I grew up with Fife. 
one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time. Yeah, that's one my favorite top uh, five hip hop groups of, of all time. For real, for sure. You know? And you know, when he passed, and I knew he had been sick, but right. you know, when you when you find out that he passed away, I was I was hurt. Like did you watch like, the documentary? Oh yeah, heck yeah. I've seen okay. it about a hundred times. Okay. Um, so I, I was hurt by that. Uh and Kobe was right there with that one. Like it gotcha. it hurt me. Like I was like, wow. You know, again, because guess what? I did watch Kobe grow up. I right. and, and, and one other thing too that and I never understood this. I went out to California to visit my brother. Shout out to my little brother Quentin out there in in, in uh, Orange County, California. You know, this was what 2017, I think 2017 or 18. So we walk into a bar, you know, and I got my Cavs hat on. Everybody just like me mugging me. It was like, yeah, you cool, but I don't like that hat you got on. And I'm like, what's the problem? Like, <laughs> we don't play the, you know what I'm saying? There's no Cavs, Lakers rivalry whatsoever. And it was like, well, you know, it's just because of LeBron. I'm like, well, what's, but because this is whole thing where it, there, there is a, what I'll call the KB24 cult. There's a Kobe Bryant cult <laughs> in Los Angeles where he could do no wrong. And just for a simple fact that people were elevating LeBron, you know, comparing LeBron to Jordan more so than Kobe to Jordan, as far as their legacies, uh, had them feeling some type of way. And, it, and I kept getting it. Like, I would, my brother took me over his... uh one of his partner's house, same thing. He was like, man, I shouldn't let you in this house with that hat on. I'm like, wait, I'm like, I was just like, wow. I was like, I never knew the level of of this, this, this turn they had for LeBron just because they felt that Kobe was that guy. And not LeBron and all had to do with the ring. Cause they, they would say, well, well, Kobe got more rings and he got the killer instinct that LeBron doesn't have, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I can't argue that, but I don't have what's up. Like, I don't personally don't have a beef with Kobe because right. like, nobody like people in Cleveland love Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, yeah. it's not, a, it's yeah. not an issue. We, you know, we go to the games. We go to the games. It's almost as many uh, Kobe jerseys and Lakers yeah. jerseys in the crowd as it is Cavs jerseys. And that's, and that's right. even when LeBron was here. Right. And then also what I understood too was that so the generation after us looked at Kobe as that guy. Um, yeah. Kobe and Iverson. Kobe, Kobe's their Jordan. Iverson is yeah. their Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Same thing kind of in football, like with Michael Vick. I didn't understand. Like they, 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 so we're looking at it from, we we older, so we're looking at it as like, nah, we seen cats better than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're looking at it, but those are the guys that they held in. It's a touch of statement. When you go back and look at it and watch the old games and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I get it. Because I was kind of at that point, when the Lakers are winning their titles, I was kind of like an NBA limbo because you were coming out of that that uh, Pat Riley, um, Jeff Van Gundy era where it was just battle ball. It wasn't basketball anymore. It had turned into something, some type of blood sport where the games were hard to watch. The games would be like 85 to 75. Shoot, them games. I used to love those games. I used to um, love them. Because they would just slow down to like a crawl. Now I like the, the only, that's the only thing I didn't like. I didn't like it. Seem it did seem like they were stalling because though Van Gundy's teams weren't that good at that time. No, uh, or excuse me, the, the Heat teams weren't that good at that time. Rather, um, 
and they really couldn't score. And Van Gundy really only had one or two scores, LJ and uh, and Allen Houston. But right. I agree, it was it was you know a eighty one to eighty four game every single night, uh, especially in the playoffs, like in the finals or whatever. It started to get a little bit. Yeah, so I was kind of like, uh, I was like kind of, ha- and plus the Cavs really stunk, man. Yeah, that Cavs was a whole. What like like that Chris that Chris Gatling, um, that oh, but he was a Chris Gatling on that team. Uh, I, I forgot Chris Mills. I, I forgot that was at the end of Sean Kemp. Yeah, and so we we still had like Andre Miller. He was the best player on the team, probably. Uh, All right. We had Dre. We had uh, uh, what's the other kid's name? Dewan Wagner. Yeah, who never panned out. Like we just had a lot. Of Chris Mims. Uh, who was yeah. our player? Uh, uh, what's it called? The the black dude. Uh, Tyrone uh, Hill. Huh? Tyrone Hill. No, the coach. Who was our coach back then? Uh, oh, John Lucas. John Lucas. That's it. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, yeah. So you know, it was it was tough to watch. It was that bad. Was tough, that and was tough I missed out. And then I realized just probably like two years ago that I missed out on some of the best playoff series ever. Like I have ass watched the Lakers Spurs rivalry. I watched it, but I wasn't like. Oh, you know, it. I was all the way in it. I, yeah. Now when I go back. Spurs, right. I went back and started watching those games like all the way through and really paying attention. I'm like, damn, he was so some battles. You know, I do remember, you know, Robert Ori's the big shots and stuff like that. Big shot, you know. Big shot, Bob. I remember um, uh, what was the point guard for for the Lakers, um, Derek Fisher. Fish. Yeah. I remember that one game hit that huge shot with like point one seconds against the Spurs. Spurs so, so I remember those moments, but I still, but I just wasn't all the way into it. And then I go back and watch it now, and I'm like, man, these were some. Uh, no, those were some, some great battles. We had some great uh, early in the 2000s. Uh, you had Portland. That was pretty good. They were that's uh, when they had Scotty. That was the, the Jailblazers team, though. <laughs> <laughs> With Wallace and all those guys, like they were balling. It was Ruben right Patterson. Uncle Cliffy was still Uncle, Uncle Cliffy was still Uncle there. Cliffy was still Zach Randolph. Yep. Uncle Cliffy. <laughs> <laughs> That was my guy too, Uncle Cliff. I, look, I, you know, as a Laker fan, I hated all those guys. But you know how you always, even though you hate a, hate a team or hate guys, excuse me, on the team, you kind of say, "It's something about that dude." I just like that. <laughs> right. Cliff Robert was a good ball man. He was a good player, and that's what it was. Cliff was that guy that you knew if if you had the opportunity to get that dude, you want him on your squad because he was gonna do a little bit of everything, and that's that's how. You know, that's how he was. He he did everything. He defended your toughest guy. You know, he could jump out the gym. He could shoot a jump shot. Always was playing. Like, he never was like, you never just saw him lagging and stuff. That's why I always liked that cat. But, yeah, the early 2000s was a good time. You know, it was kind of the transition of what we're seeing now, the wide open game. They, you know, got rid of some of the stuff in the lane. That really, what was kind of slowing the game down. Uh, but... You know, that was the beginning. That was like the, the, the first stages of kind of the free, I call it free ball. 
Like that's what we're doing now. Right. We play free ball. We just everything is loose, open, ain't no seven yeah. foot free food in the middle. Almost too loose. I, I need I like some balance. I think it's too loose, but you know, I, I guess it is fun to watch. Uh, you know, it's it would be it would be interesting to watch if you had somebody that it's could. not fun to watch to me. It's not. I like it's I, not I, fun I mean, that these guys coming down just taking bad shots. I don't I don't really like that. Also, I don't think it teaches you how to play ball. Like I think we had better uh uh fundamentally sound players back in the day than we have now. Not the guys don't have talent, it's not that the talent is definitely there. I just don't think that these guys like there's no need for a real mid-range game because I could just keep right. going straight to the basket. And that's the argument I got into with just with, with one cat, man. He was saying, Well, the guys now are better because they're just more athletic. He was like, guys like Michael Cage and and John Sally, you wouldn't have a need for them in the league now. And I said, well, uh, it, that's like it, there, there's a bunch of cats now that couldn't survive back then in that league because they're just not yeah. tough enough. They're not, they're not mentally tough no. and they're not physically tough enough. Right? Exactly. So, so it's a trade-off on that. And it's like, just because, you know, guys are more athletic nowadays does not make it a better game or better. And that's the part that I don't think they understand. Just because you're more athletic don't mean you're better. Right. You know, we just had that conversation the other day about back back in the uh in the eighties, early nineties when they get into the tournament in Princeton, who if you just say Princeton got a bat, most people don't even know Princeton has a basketball team. Right. Princeton would be in the uh the sixty four in the in the March Madness. And they would play good. They weren't the yep. most athletic team out there. I tell you that. Right. But guess what? They played hard and actually won a game uh before. That's funny. I mean, look at look at uh uh Tom Brady. Tom Brady's probably the most non-athletic quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he just gets it done. He's not he's definitely less physical. athletic than Lamar Jackson. But who's in the Super Bowl and who's not? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, and it's not. I ain't even taking. You know, I'm not even taking a shot at at, at the rest of Lamar. It's just the truth. Like the truth is, the the old 40 plus year old white guy who isn't mobile. It's in the Super Bowl. The mobile running all over the place, former MVP, is at home. Now, Mahomes is a little more athletic than uh, than Brady, but Mahomes is still more of a pocket passer. I still kind of lean more towards the pocket passer. I think that too, because I think, I think that the reason why KC gets off the way they get off is that it's like that Mike Tyson factor back in the day. When it's it's that it's that that Mike Tyson mistake where you defeat it before you get on the field, it's like oh man, there's no yeah. way we can stop these guys. And once that mistake comes off of them, it may happen in the Super Bowl. Well, that's another story for another day. Yeah. Once that mistake comes off, then you will really see how good Pat Mahomes actually yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, this, and this, there's no shade, but this dude just throwing no he throwing a wide open. Dude, man, I mean, Kelsey and Kyrie Hale just running all around the damn field, and they're and they're not running tough routes, bro. I, no. I saw that in the Browns game. I think I thought before that that they were running some real, uh, like you know, complex, whatever, complex, little hard. Like that's why he got so open because the way he shakes and moves, and it, it doesn't mean that he can't do that. Uh, Tyreek Hill doesn't mean that. The point I'm making is when you watch some of those plays, this dude just ran. Yeah, they just do a great job. I got an angle and was wide the hell open. There it is. They they do a great job of creating confusion 
and like mismatches by all the motion and different gadget stuff that they run. But we don't want to get off on a tangent. Yeah, so I'm let's lead into say, we, don't, we don't want to go too, too far right. off. And, and but, turn this uh, into a four and a half hour damn show. But, um, so, yeah, let's, uh, so we wrapped with the, uh, with the Kobe thing again. RIP to Kobe and Gianna and all the other victims that were on that uh, on that plane. My prayer, I mean, on that air, uh, helicopter. Uh, my prayers and thoughts are still with uh, their families. Um, and I think we're done with that particular segment. Uh, so yep. let's move forward. Move on into uh, our Cavaliers here. Uh, the Cavs are nine and nine. Uh, and, and you know what? And I, we said it before the season started. We're, we're a couple of the few. A couple of the few. I, I put us out there, bro. <laughs> we actually said, because the, the national pundits were saying that the Cavs were probably a 20-something win team. We both, we both said that's bullshit. We saw the potential that this team could probably win 34, 35 games. Um, I think I said 32. I think you might have said 34. I said 35, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought probably I, about, about the pace that they'll probably end up being on when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think they're right on pace with, with what we thought or what we expected uh, to see out of them. Um, so it's not a disappointment. It still is a young team. You know what I mean? They're, they're very young. Um, they have some old parts, but they're, excuse me, very young. In terms of the, yeah, parts it, 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 the old parts aren't ancient. Right, 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 right. You know what I'm saying? They're just, you know, guys like, you know, Andre Drummond and, and, and JaVale McGee. Really, like Kevin Love. And Kevin Love. He's the old guy. Yeah. I don't think Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond might be 30 years old, maybe. Yeah, I don't even think he's 30 yet. You know, like, yeah. And JaVale, and JaVale like McGee may be right at 30. So, yeah. he, you st- he still, act- he just looked like he fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, so as this, what are we? We're, we're half, nah, 18 games. What are we playing? 72 games this year? Yeah, so you're about a quarter of the way, about through, the quarter of the way through the season. Um, and they haven't looked awful. They've had some, some bad games, but they haven't looked awful overall. Like if right. you look at the, at the whole uh, of the season, the Cavs look, you know, pretty decent. Right now, they were they are in the sixth spot in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I just showed you how bad the East is, and that's one of the reasons why we thought they could probably win thirty games, mm-hmm. whereas other people were saying only twenty or whatever. So, um, so you know, shout out to uh, uh, what's his name, JB Bickerstaff. JB Bickerstaff. Uh, yeah, I think he's did an excellent job. You know, shout one, out. He just. Just preaching defense, man. The Cavaliers the last two years had, I think, the worst defense in the NBA or one of the worst defenses in the NBA where it was pretty much a layup drill um, every game. <laughs> and them Cavs was giving up 140, 135, 140 points a night. That's what it seemed like. I'm exaggerating, but it seemed like they were giving up that much. Listen, cast that, here to get on. <clears throat> Excuse me. cast that were having an off, you know, maybe an off-road uh, series or whatever. They come in here like, oh yeah, I get it going tonight, you know, because right. they knew that they weren't gonna, you know, they weren't gonna be looking at anybody who's gonna be playing 
real hard defense. And then again, we're not long. We weren't long. We didn't have many shot blockers. Um, we were no. one of the worst. And this is and this is even with the supposedly really, really, really good uh, Tristan Thompson. We were being out out rebounded. Uh, you got to start at TT. Listen, man. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a habitual shot taker. <laughs> yes, you, you are. Always, you always you are. As a habitual shot taker. I am not a habitual shot taker. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Apparently, there's people that think this guy's not, you know, not just highly mediocre. They think he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> I just tend to think he's highly mediocre. Uh, that's all you know uh i was i guess i was i should have been impressed that he is a a a left-hander by nature and he learned to shoot with his right which is what any basketball player should do anyway (laughs) before before we go off on this trip to thompson tirade (laughs) um one of the big decisions that the Cavs will have to make is whether or not to offer one Andre Drummond a contract extension. Matter of fact, they were talking about it on the radio really for the past couple of days. And the NBA really, the way it's played now, does not lean towards his skill set. You know, big men have kind of been phased out, or the big men that you do have are like glorified giant guards, like seven footers, like Kevin Durant. Um, you know, Dirk Dirk Nowitzki before he retired. Guys like that, even Luca. Luca's a big guy. What is Luca? He's not a seven footer, but he's like six, seven, six, eight. Luka. Yeah, but he's still a big guy. Like he's, he's turned into like a guard. It's yeah. a guard dominated league, or just wings, guys who can who can score. So I'm not opposed to signing Andre Drummond or have or playing a big game. Because one thing that was kept the Cavs in these games is that. The Cavs actually have some lift now. So now you got him, you got JaVale McGee. Yep. You got Jared Allen. I love that pickup from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and Torian Prince um, mm-hmm. has shown me something too. Now that he's out of the shadows of um, Durant and, and, and Harden and those yeah. guys. Well, he wouldn't play with Harden. Well, not Harden, but out of the shadows of uh, Durant. He can kind of play a little bit more freely. I like, he kind of has a nice game. You know, No, he got a really nice game. He can defend, really he can shoot a little bit, he can do like a little bit of everything. Yep. So I'm not opposed to the Cavs playing a bigger, having a bigger lineup in there because, uh, and plus they rebound great, great offensive rebounding team and defensively, and that keeps you, you know, in games. So looking at Andre Drummond's stats, first of all, Andre Drummond is making something like $28, $29 million a year, uh, which yep. is insane that, um, Detroit gave him that contract, but I kind of understand their thinking at the time. Um, Andre right now is averaging 19 points, 15 rebounds, and about two assists, which is really two and a half assists, which is really good for a center. My problem, he's only shooting 47% from the floor, which is horrible for a center. You close to the basket. They probably don't run sets for him to get close. And and I've seen that myself. I agree with you. He should. Yeah. A guy that's six eleven with that type of size, I, I believe he's uh, do weigh at least two sixty, something like so, that. So a guy his size should be able to get to the, a lot closer shots, but it doesn't seem like they run sets for that. 
He's yeah. always kind of shooting a, a like a turnaround over a guy as opposed to like getting right to the basket. But again, right. I think that's the, the way that the NBA is anymore. They don't want to slow down the right. game with the big guy, dribble, 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 and all that stuff. So right. I think that, that then, played a part in it. And one more, one more thing, and I'll let you um, go. My problem with Andre Drummond mostly is that when I watch the game, he makes about three or four really boneheaded plays a game, which tells me that his basketball IQ isn't that high. Sometimes he just tries to do too much. Like there was one play against the Lakers. We were in that game. He gets the rebound. Had Colin Sexton on the wing. Give the ball to your point guard. No. Andre Drummond decided that he's going to bring the ball up the court like he's freaking Pistol Pete Maravich. Like, what are you doing? Like, pass the ball to your point guard. But instead of passing to Colin, he tries to do a cross-court pass over, I think it was maybe a Coro or somewhere over there, and the pass gets stolen by LeBron. Layup. And that was like a, a, a four-point a four swing right there. And he does other things where he'll try to force a shot that's not in his repertoire. So stuff like that kind of bothers me. So if we were to bring him back, I don't mind him bringing him back. It just has to be at a much lower number. Can't be paying him like, you know, 28 to 29 million. If they offer him, you know, if I was the Cavs, you know, look, man, we'll give you a two-year deal, like maybe 20 million, 24, something like that. It's like, you can't, he can't really sneeze at that. Now, if another team was willing to be dumb and throw a bucket load of money at him, then so be it. All right, fine. We got Jared Allen still as a nice young guy that kind of maybe fits more of the mode of today's NBA for a big man and, you know, peace out. So that's my thoughts on him. Well, <clears throat> I'm always of the, of the mindset that you want to get something. I'd rather get something than get nothing. So coming into the season, I understood why he decided that he wanted to uh, pick up that, the option on his on his contract makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, okay, I, doubt, uh, I doubt that there's going to be somebody else who pays you thirty million dollars just because. Not this year, anyway. Um, but, you never know, man. But, the way they passing out money, like but, Buddy Hill, those guys get paid. I think you're saying, but you never know. Nothing. I said the same thing yeah. about uh, uh, Hay Hayward when he left Boston. I said, man, that dude got to be out of his mind. Ain't nobody paying him thirty million dollars. And then Michael Jordan was like, hold my beer. Right. <laughs> you know? <Exactly. laughs> so uh, I I would think, I would think that nobody's going to um, pay. And I think it's a difference between the type of player that uh, Hayward is or could be and the type of player that Drummond actually is right this second. Because, again, going back to kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, you got a 6'11 guy that isn't super skilled outside of, say, 10 feet. So now you have to think about paying this guy $30 million, and he's, I think, 28, 27, 28-ish. So he's not actually – he's in the midst of what he's gonna, where he's going to be his best at. I don't know that he's going to be able to turn into a guy that can shoot as a 6'11 guy, 7-foot guy. Uh, 15 uh, foot jump shots on a regular basis. Uh, 18 yeah, foot. And I don't, shots even, I don't even want that from him. I just but want that, him to do that's the other part of it. What how, he does. how would you even want, or why would you even want that when this guy can get you 15 rebounds 
just because he took his warm-ups off. Right. So I want that dude under the, under the basket, if you ask me. I want him somewhere close to the basket because you're right. I think a part of why we are or have been so good is because we get second shots. Uh, we get to reset, you know, that offense and get another opportunity to score. Uh, and a guy like Sexton, who can score and is, is coming into his own as a scorer, that helps him out a lot. You know, that gives him another opportunity, and that's what you want, a young team to have opportunities. So uh, where I was going with that, though, is as a team, any other team, like, are you really going to get us through $30 million uh, to come and play uh, on your squad to do what he does? Again, I I'll be honest, 19 and 15 ain't bad. I don't know that it's $28 million worth of, of, of doing good, but to be honest, if you're going to pay a dude, that, there you go. That's, I can't say he's not doing his job. I can't say that he's not. Uh, right, doing his end of, of uh, what he's supposed to be doing. And that's why I was saying something like a two-year deal in the range of like 12, 13 million per in today's, you know, NBA for what he does. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. Especially him coming off take, a big contract. He made it. He's gonna take, well, he's probably, I don't know that he's ever going to get another huge contract. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, uh, most likely he won't. But, uh, you know, a guy, listen, if I'm him, if Tristan Thompson, if Tristan Thompson can get 16 million a year, I'm if I'm him, I'm like, yeah, I need I need at least 18 to 20. Okay, I see what you're saying. And but but you know I mean? this out true. Um Boogie Cousins is a, is a cautionary tale when the, I think the Pelicans offered him, you know, a nice deal. He was like, no, yep. I'm worth more than that. And this, you know, he didn't snap his Achilles. Yep. You know, now he doesn't look the same at all. Um, in Houston, he's a he's pretty much a shell of himself right now. So sometimes somebody puts that deal on the table, nobody else is beating down your door. You know, it's a guaranteed contract. Go ahead and get your guaranteed money and and play your way into something better. You Look, know what I'm saying? You feel you deserve more. You know, what short you of to me, that's what you got to do. You got to. It's a it's a it's a slippery slope in, when you're in those contract years, unless you're a guy like a. <clears throat> You know, like a LeBron, uh, unless you're a guy uh, like Steph Curry, who you ain't got to worry right. about. You know, these guys are, are going. They're going to sign you. They're coming for you. If you're Kevin Durant, it don't matter. Somebody coming to get you. You know, but right. and it's and there's other guys out there, but they they may not be coming to get you for, you know, whatever money you you were making on that last contract. You know, because guys know, you know, the market ain't that ain't the same, and I don't think the market is the same for. Uh, right. Uh, for Drummond. Now, what I've been hearing recently is the talk of a buyout. Um, I don't know that if I'm the Cavs that I really want to do that, only because you get nothing for him. Well, is he is he unhappy here right now? Is he huh? being a is he being a cast in the locker room or being disruptive? No. Why they want to do a buyout? No. Get him out of here? No. I don't. I don't think the Cavs are talking buyout. I think. Uh, Drummond's camp is talking buyout. Oh, so he can go somewhere else. Yeah, and contend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And, All and right. one of the teams that I've, one of the teams that I've seen uh, talked about or spoken about has been uh, the Nets. You know, the potential that he'll go. I saw that out there to the Nets or whatever. Um, it don't really make sense for them though. 
I don't really think it does either. Um, I don't know if they just, but it, it does and it doesn't. And here's how it does. The Dum Dums gave up their one uh, defensive option uh, with uh, you know the trade of Jared Allen and also getting rid of uh, Prince. That was right. one of their better defenders. And, and carries LeVert. Shit. And LeVert, I forgot. That's right. And, and they got rid of LeVert too. So <laughs> you got rid of three guys that actually would play defense, uh, actually could play defense, you know what I mean? And now they're kind of, they're kind of, they're struggling. I won't say kind of struggling. They're struggling defensively. And they don't rebound that well. So they're in games and, they're, and they got guys that are in games with them that shouldn't be in games with them, to be honest, when you look at it on paper. So <clears throat> adding him could get them the same things that we were just talking about with the Cavs. It gives you, you know, extra opportunities, extra shots. He's, he's a walking because he showed up 15 rebound a night type of guy. He just is. You, you go back, you look at his career. This dude is incredible in terms of being able to locate the ball. I don't know why the ball, it's like, it's like, uh, remember that old game where you try to get the ball to go in them holes? Right. And, you know, some, some guys just have a knack for that. Rodman was one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, Moses Oakley, Malone was only like Oakley, six, Moses eight. Malone, I mean, these Great. guys. Barkley, great rebounders. You know, these were guys that just kept rebounding the ball, and it always they said it like guys like that just know how to read the ball off the coming off the rim. Yeah, and that helps. I mean, you, you know, got to be able to do that. Uh, actually, Rodman said that specifically that he would sometimes watch the ball, like he'd be in shoot arounds, and he would just watch somebody shoot and say where the ball was going to go. Like he'd be sitting off on the side and say. Uh, that's going to come out this way. So mm-hmm. he would play that with himself in his head. And when he get in the game, he'd see that same type of shot and just get himself close to where that ball was going to be or where he thought it was going to be. You know, a lot of times guys just go under the basket and just hope that it comes their way. Right. You know, then there's guys that actually, I guess, go and locate the ball. But um, I don't like the buyout situation because it doesn't get the Cavs anything. You know, you just basically get out of that, you know, paying the guy the $28 million over the course of a season. But you don't really get out of it because now you got to give him this money up front, so to speak, unless you work out some other kind of Yeah, I don't think the Cavs are going to do that. Uh, I mean, the only way the Cavs do that, because now players now have learned the formula. Well, if I want to get out of somewhere and they won't give me what I want, I just act like a little baby acting ass until they – just have to trade me. Now, yeah. me being the the jerk that I am, I would even if it doesn't benefit me, I was I was shit dudes is like Sacramento. And they take it. Here you go, you go, you go play out there in, in NBA Siberia for the rest. Yeah, it ain't gonna hurt. You know, we already people say, oh, you can't do that because then nobody will want to come play for your team. Don't nobody want to come to damn Cleveland anyway. Right. So you ain't losing. Yeah, these guys, like guys that get, I can understand the way that LeBron does it. You know, as much as people will criticize LeBron, at least LeBron honored his contracts. 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and I mean, he's and he yeah, never passed out every contract. Yeah, yeah, he never like just forced his way. He's like, all right, I'm here until X, Y, and Z, and then we'll talk about it then. But when guys like Harden and some of these other guys are actually getting their way, and AB, yeah, these crowds guys, it's setting yeah. a bad precedent. That I mean, look, Harden, you was making like forty something million dollars a year. You signed that deal, and all of a sudden, stuff doesn't go your way. And now it's like, I want out. And now they, and when guys get in their way like that, now just making other guys, you know, do that same formula. It's like, all right, now I'll just act up and 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 you know, be a cast in the locker room and make them get rid of me. And then they trade them to where they want to go, which I'm like, man, I was like, have some balls. Yeah, like, you like, trade them, like that'd be tripping me out when you end up trading them to where they want to go. Like yeah. to me, I ain't against trading, you know, like when AD wanted wanted out of uh, New Orleans. All right, bet. I'm like the Spurs. All right, we're gonna trade you. <laughs> and they sent them right. down. They sent them to Toronto, which is totally opposite of what he wanted. Why? Uh, Why wanted to go to LA or something? He wanted to go back home, and they was like, "We're not sending you to LA so we can play you four times a year." Nope. Exactly. You could, look, you could do that on your own time, but we're not sending you there. And, and, you know, people will say, ah, ha, 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 they sent him to Toronto and he won a championship. But let's be honest, when he went to Toronto, who in the hell thought Toronto was going to win a championship? I mean, that Nobody. championship don't count. Nobody thought they were going to win that championship. It, 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 it so, didn't count. How the hell don't it count? It counts, but don't mean because they was playing a, a, a G League team at the time. Hey, man, it don't matter. <laughs> Listen. No, I'm serious. Like, if... if man. As much as I loathe Golden State for what they did when they got Durant, them playing uh, Toronto with just Steph Curry, and they still almost lost. Listen, they are, first of all, they have championship medal. Uh, they are a championship squad. All of those guys are, everybody on that bench has at least one title at, you know, in, that, in that finals did. So you're talking about a team that's going to play at a high level just because that's who they are. Um, it ain't, it ain't, I'm talking about Golden State. It oh, ain't, oh, 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 okay. It ain't Toronto's fault that all these guys got hurt. No, it's not their fault. And, and, know, I, and I don't expect the city of Toronto or the Toronto Raptors organization to discount that title that they have. Hell no, because Me of the cast. Look, we lost the championship the same way. If Kyrie would have played that first time we played yeah. Golden State, yeah, I want to stop. I've never said this before to, to anybody who is listening. Let me tell you all something. If Kyrie Irving doesn't get hurt, we had already lost Kevin Love in the playoffs earlier uh, in the Boston series. If Kyrie Irving doesn't get hurt in game one and tear his uh, kneecap and his uh, patellar and all that stuff, we are going to beat. We would have beaten uh, Golden State. Golden State. No doubt. Now, beat- here, now, now, me personally, the type of competitor that I am, this is just me. Let's say um, the Cavs beat Golden State, but they, but Steph Curry and Klay Thompson went down in like game four. Yes, I would have loved to have the Durang and I had a championship, but it wouldn't have felt the same. I, but you still got to win, though, bro. You can't. No, you do. You do have to win. But no. I'd rather. I would. I would still rather be the team at their best. So there's no. I don't disagree. Just I like, disagree. just like, okay. For example, when, when we won, what was everybody saying? Well, if if, if Draymond hadn't got suspended, blah 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 blah. Look, you know what I'm saying? 
because we still got to win. I know, and, and that's a horrible argument because, like, you still it's got Steph awful. and Clay, and, and, the, and you, he only missed one game, and y'all was up 3-1. Listen, and you're talking you know about a guy. I know he has an effect. I know he has an effect on the on the uh, like on a broader part of the game. He isn't just a guy who, if you look at his averages, he's probably was. I think during that series, he might have been averaging like fourteen and maybe like nine assists and like seven boards or whatever. But he does do other things that you don't see that doesn't show up in the stat book. Exactly. He had a right. he had a solid series, so I understand them feeling like they're they're missing an important part of what they do. They were. However, if we lose that game, if we lose, ain't nobody going to say uh, the same thing. You know what they're going to say? I don't know how y'all didn't win without Draymond. <laughs> we beat y'all without right, Draymond. Right, exactly. That's how sorry y'all were. And That's plus, exactly there, there were six other games where he did play. But and then, and then but we just, beat. We, but, just from, but you still had two games that they could have won and that they right. didn't win. Right, like my example, just saying, like guys were going, like your top guys missed three or four games out of out of the series. Yes, I'm gonna be happy my team won the championship. You still got to win, but I want to beat a team. You I don't know, disagree. when they're four strength. I don't disagree. I, yeah. I, I totally, thoroughly, in any competition, like any just, just like when we beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs, that game wouldn't have felt the same if it was Mason Rudolph because we finally got. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Man, right before we finally got that basket. The Sith Lord. It, it wouldn't have the felt. The dark side of the empire. We it finally the same, but it would have felt good. I still would have been like. No, it, wouldn't have felt, it wouldn't have felt to say, no, I, I needed to dethrone. I, listen, I, that again, basket. You, you preaching to the choir at the end of the day. Because uh, we were really saying the same thing. I agree. Yeah, he had to go. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm running a race. You know, uh, and I'm I'm running against Usain Bolt, and my man pull a hamstring, have you know, uh, fifty yards into the hundred yard. Guess what? I'm still gonna break that tape. <laughs> right. But right. be pumped. But I do understand. I'm gonna have to deal with that guy later because that wasn't him at his best. Right. So I would understand that, and that's what I felt about, you know, when Kyrie got hurt. I felt like that was that opportunity that we we was this freaking close. Uh, hopefully, we get another opportunity. Thankfully, we did. We did. <clears throat> it was just man, that series. It was LeBron, Tristan, and Delhi. That was awful. And we and and we won the game. We won a game at it. One two. <laughs> One two games after that. Right. I don't know how, but we figured out a way to win uh, two games. Now I'll be honest. That was to me. That was LeBron at his best. To me, that was that, LeBron at his best. Uh, he, that whole playoff series. I mean, the whole playoffs from beginning to end. LeBron was was freaking incredible. Um, he did it again the year uh, Kyrie left, left. Matter of fact, the year Kyrie left. Up until the finals, I think yep. may have been LeBron's best playoff performance of this yeah, career. Yeah, them fools shouldn't even. I was like, man, how the hell did they get to the finals with this squad? We had three different iterations of the Cleveland Cavaliers that season. Yeah, we, we, we had Derrick Rose at one point. We had Dwayne yep. uh, Wade. You had Isaiah Thomas. You had um, what was that bum number ninety nine that came here that was playing good with Boston and got here and sucked. Uh, you talking about uh, Jay Crowder? 
Yeah, him. Right. We had him on the squad. It didn't also then turned into uh Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. Who else was on that team, man? Yeah, that team was not. I mean, and when JR, was JR was a shell of himself. He wasn't he wasn't playing well. <laughs> I forgot who it was awful. And he and he literally he dropped here for a part of that and then he wasn't. Cool. Like Chuck was here for a part of that, and then he just wasn't on the team no more somehow. I don't know if they yeah. traded him. I don't know if he was a part of a package. Uh, I think he ended up in Memphis or something like that. Uh, Shump, I can't remember how that how Yeah, that Shump didn't play. No, Shump was on the team. He just didn't play. Which I didn't understand, though. Me either. Um, I remember we had Jeff Green. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We had Jeff Green. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, – We also had uh, – What's that kid's name? I thought he was gonna be good when he got here, and he wasn't. He didn't play that. He ain't played that. I can see his his face. I think we traded him to Utah. Oh, uh, you talking about Hood, Rodney Hood? Hood, Rodney Hood. Yep. He oh, didn't he do that much in the playoffs. He, did, yeah, he, he didn't do that much. Now, the one guy that did kind of George Hill did all right. Well, George until he missed that George. damn until he George. missed that damn free throw in game one. And he's a look, and the dude is like an eighty-five percent free throw shooter. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you know what? That you know, LeBron has played some some really good basketball, but he always, to me, he always does something that just gets under my skin at some point. And all yeah. of those types of games, he does something that makes me say, "What the hell is he doing?" Like through my teeth, type. Like I'm really pissed off because I'm talking <laughs> to uh, type of stuff. So, like I I I still and remember the first. Uh, finals game, the game that we went into overtime with Golden State. He took that shot. He just dribbled off the clock and took the step back. I'm like, get yeah. a ball to Kyrie. I get a ball to Kyrie. Let Kyrie shoot that. Kyrie's either going to make it or go to the free throw line, right? That's my train of thought. Instead, he shot this dumb, <laughs> run the clock out, step back three-pointer. We go into overtime, and then Kyrie uh, kneecap decides they don't want to be a part of his body no more. You know, it's like little stuff like that. Like we ain't even have to be in overtime. Right. It doesn't mean Kyrie wouldn't have eventually gotten hurt, but right. it does mean we could have walked away with a game one win and those other two wins that we ended up getting anyway. I hate that in the NBA anyway. Like, like why in the NBA now when you got 15 seconds left? Why all of a sudden like you just don't run the play no more? You give us your best player ISO the top of the key. The so only team, the only team that runs plays was was San Antonio. San Antonio, Antonio was 15 seconds up, they run a full-fledged play. And whoever is open on that play gets the shot. You know, they, but they like to think I think the NBA has become that. Like, and that's something else too. Like, if you look at the league that we grew up in, if you look at some of those plays uh where you saw guys hit uh last second shots like Michael uh hitting a shot and uh hell. You know, it's those last second moments. They were all set plays or off of set plays. They don't really run set plays like that with 15 seconds. So when you only got like seven or six seconds, they'll run a play. For some reason, if you get the ball, if you get a rebound and it's 18 seconds on the clock, all guarantee you about to watch 18 dribbles. <laughs> Step back three clinks. <laughs> That's what you're going to get. That's how, they, that's how they rock out. But 
I think going back to Drummond, I, I prefer that they make a trade for the dude. We get something, uh, even if it's a draft pick or something. Uh, they probably won't get much more than a second or maybe a first. That's uh, fine. I mean, because he, he has a tradable contract right now. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, trading with somebody that needs some rebounding or defensive help. I agree with that. Matter of fact, um, as well as he's playing right now, it wouldn't upset me at all. Because uh, I think you got a Jared Allen who can uh, yeah. Yeah. who can fill that role pretty well. Now, also, you know, what are they going to do with JaVale McGee? He's another one that some, for some reason, he didn't got the green light from J.B. Bickerstaff. And he's another one that has about three or four just like boneheaded plays a game. I'm like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> just just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but, stop, stop with the shooting, bro. Yeah, but overall, man, like the Cavs are playing well. Um, they they definitely have to change that roster. The thing that I'm scared of is that they're okay with Darius uh, Garland and Sexton in the backcourt at the same time, and it's like that's not going to it's not going to work. As a matter of fact, since Sexton had those those huge games against Brooklyn, teams now are just defending him differently now. Now he's got he wanted his respect. No, he's getting it now. And what it's showing is you're a little guy. You have to, you yeah, need somebody else to come out and help you. And he's, I see him at times because now he feels that it's his team. And he's starting to do too much at times. It's like, all right, man, pass the ball. You know, you know, you're the guy, but you, you're still only 6'1", like barely, you know? <laughs> so, but, but the don't, Cavs don't have another legitimate score or wing guy that can fill it up. Now, I, I'm seeing good signs out of Windler. Um, Darius Garland to me is still too small, man. That dude look like he in, in the twelfth grade. Who is that? Oh yeah, Garland. Yeah, he, he, not he, even not even a twelve. I'm not even gonna give him the twelfth grade, man. More like the ninth grade. That's what he looks like right now. Yeah, he, he's, he's a little small. Guy. Like, he's a little guy. Like, like right, like gee whiz, bro. You know, get your weight up, son. You know, um, he's a guy. He's a guy who I who I clown because he just like uh uh oh like makes him do. Uh, at the at the uh, right thing, yeah, right. Yeah, now one guy too that's really improved is, is Chetty. I'll give Chetty his props, man. He's improved his game. Hey, the dude quite a bit, man. Has gone from probably maybe one of the one of the like least capable looking basketball players I've seen in a while to this season actually playing a uh, solid basketball. Uh, he's playing solid basketball this year. I, you can't, you can't. I know a lot of uh, Teddy haters. I'm not necessarily a Teddy hater. I was just being honest. Like, dude, yeah, he wasn't playing well. Yeah, he he wasn't. But 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 you got to remember, this kid was like 18. And when he got over there. Here's the problem, or here's the thing that like was making me say, man, what the hell? He was balling overseas, then. Like over the summer and stuff like that. In the summer league, he was looking good. Preseason, he was balling. You're like, all right, bet. Then the season starting, it's like, you know, what's he looking at the basketball? Like, what's this orange thing y'all keep throwing at me? Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But he's he's definitely um he's definitely gotten better uh since those those situations, which weren't that far away, by the way. It was just last season. <laughs> Right. Uh, he's definitely gotten better. He's definitely been uh, 
hit a spot where uh, I think he's he he still ain't playing up to that contract. I'll tell you that. But no, I thought it was a little premature to give him that extension. Yeah. But at least he's playing better basketball, a better brand of basketball, a watchable brand of basketball. Uh, I don't say to myself every time he gets the ball or every time he comes in the game, get that dude out of the game. You know, I, I'm actually capable of watching uh, him do uh, do his work. And that's good. That's good for him. So I'm hoping that's a, as he's trending up, I, I get that credit to JB uh, for getting after those guys and maybe putting them in better positions too. I don't, you know, you never know. Yeah what they were asking of him at that time. Uh, so what the coaches were asking or coaching staff was asking of him. So maybe they got him in a comfort zone now. Um, I don't know, but he looks better. Um, just, like, just, just two points I wanted to make about the Cavs and I'm done. All right, so this is this is a shout out to all of the, the, the memo, rather, to all the Cleveland Cavaliers fans out there. I see a lot of y'all getting very happy and I'm kind of giddy that the Cavs are playing well and playing these teams tough. Why did you guys have a reality check right now? The Cavaliers roster stinks. If compared to the top tier elite basketball team roster, the Cavaliers suck. And I need y'all to understand that. <laughs> what you're seeing right now early in the season, they're playing against teams that aren't playing that hard right now because too early in the season. And they're yeah. playing other teams that, that stink just as bad as we do. So when the Cavs play the Pistons and the Wizards and Sacramento, yeah, they start playing those teams who are just as bad as we are. Yes, we're, we're because we have good coaching and we hustle, we're going to look good. But the Cavaliers starting next week are going to a gauntlet in February. And it's going to be, it might, it might be a bloody mess coming out of February. So I want you guys to temper your expectations. Y'all think everything is so no, the Cavs stink. And I need y'all to understand that. We're good enough to be between a sixth and an eighth seed in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. So I want everybody just to just, just, just slow your roll. And not just temper your 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 uh exuberance, but temper your expectations too. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's going right where Sean was going. Um you just Sean and I never had high expectations of the Cavs. So if they go on a, let's say, an eight-game losing streak, let's just say, I don't, I really don't think they will, but let's say that they do. Let's just say yeah. they do. Uh, I wouldn't be like, I'd be like, damn, you know, I, I wish they would, you know, figure it out, whatever, whatever, but I wouldn't be like, oh, well, here we go, same old cap. I have regular expectations of the Cavs. I do know what that roster looks like. I know, uh, I remember when I started back watching, when, you know, when basketball kicked back up um, right before right before it went off uh, because of the COVID, I was in Vegas and I was watching the Cavs game. They were playing out West. And I literally didn't know no damn body on the court. <laughs> I, I, had no, I had no idea who the hell any of those dudes There's were. guys now coming off the bench. I don't know who these people are. And, I don't know who this Dean Wade character is. But and listen, and, and I'm gonna tell you something about Vegas, and you know this because you you've been to Vegas uh, enough. You know, in Vegas, especially when you're in um, any any of the bigger hotels, and you're like in a spot where you're watching watching TV, it's a lot of people in there who aren't necessarily fans of certain uh, cities or right. whatever, but they're in there because they're 
they put money on the game or they did this mm-hmm. or they did that. So there, there's always an interest in whatever's on television, right? So there's always this chatter going on. So when you walk in with your Cavs stuff on or your, or your Brown stuff on or whatever, and they see you actually watching the game and rooting or like throwing your hands up, it's only one of two reasons that that's happening. Either you're from there or you put money on the game, right? Right. right. You don't understand how awful it is to not have money on the game and be watching the Cavs and you don't know what the hell is but they're like, damn, you so you actually root for these dudes? Like them, them guys, them guys out there. Right. Yeah. You know, and it was an awful game because they I think they were playing Sacramento. So it was like <laughs> I'm watching Sacramento and the Cavs, like <laughs> it was bad because Sacramento wasn't that good either. You know, but it was no. it was a bad brand of basketball. But I understand who's on this roster. I believe Sean understands who's on this roster. We're not trying to tell you guys not to be happy for the Cavs because just like it's possible that they could go on an eight-game losing streak, it's possible they could go on an eight-game win streak. I don't think so, but it could happen. And if they do, again, temper your exuberance, uh, temper your expectations. Again, this team, we thought, we thought this team was good enough to be between six and eight. You know what that actually means, though? That means that they could actually end up being ninth and still be close to being sixth or eighth. <laughs> exactly. Hey, and one more point from done with the cast. Whoever that executive was that was voting LeBron, <laughs> you were an asshole and a dummy. Why would you do that? Listen, why would you do that? That, that dude, that dude was, we had actually had a chance to win that game until then. Like LeBron was absolutely possessed in the fourth quarter. I mean, now we've seen him do that to other teams plenty of times, but when it happens, he never really did it to us. LeBron would come home and have some decent games, but it wouldn't be the quintessential "I'm going to like, stab your heart out" type game. He's never, he's never had that. He had that one time. That was the very first game. The very he, first time, it right. and it wasn't a quintessential game. It was a game that was so that was good enough to get that monkey off of his back and allow him right, to right, right. not to beat his chest in everybody's face who was booing him and talking poorly about him and stuff like that. Um, I don't know who that executive was either. I thought it was actually pretty funny. Um, it was not that, funny. The dude, not that the dude said something, not that LeBron responded, just the entire situation, like. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Like, first of all, there's not many people in the building. Um, so, of course, you're going to hear everything that somebody says. So, I'll almost guarantee his chirping, he was really, like, not, like, going after LeBron. I'll guarantee, because he knows LeBron, I'll guarantee you he was actually messing with LeBron. I'll guarantee it. Just mm-hmm. talking. And LeBron took it personal, which... I laugh because I always go back to Mike saying, and I took it personal. (laughs) (laughs) LeBron took it personal. And, you know, he commenced to to kind of going off in the fourth quarter or whatever. But I was like, you, you, you took, you took that personal dog, that, (laughs) you took that, uh, all the stuff you probably should have taken personal in your life. You took that personal. Come on, man. But that's something that these guys do. 
you know, you, you get mad because I don't know what his relationship is with that guy. So maybe he's right. a guy that I don't joke with you like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's so many layers to it. You don't know how that played out. However, uh, my guy, whoever that guy, uh, excuse me, a white collar guy, shut the hell up next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut the hell up. Don't be poking the bear. Hey, listen, you're probably pretty good at what you do. He's probably pretty good at what he does. So, since you ain't the one out there defending him, shut the hell up. Man, you LeBron was so Le- Le- LeBron was so deadly in that fourth quarter that he shut Austin Carr up. It ain't many people that can make Austin Carr be quiet. Austin, Austin Carr, Carr forgot where he was. Austin Carr was quiet. He wasn't saying nothing. LeBron was he had he had like a turnaround step back three, like in the corner. And Austin Carter didn't say nothing. He didn't say wow or nothing. He just, he, he literally did not say nothing. Austin probably forgot where he was at that at that moment. <laughs> I, hey, look, and I always, I, I'm always like teetering the fence whenever I talk about Austin because uh, I my family is really cool with Austin, um, him and Campy. Uh, so <laughs> I it's times when I go places with my family and like, there he is. <laughs> So, like, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of have to kind of watch what I say when I'm on here. But, bro, I, I don't listen. I can't stand listening to Austin Carr. Bro. I like Austin Carr, man. I like Carr. Of course. Everybody you know, freaking Homer. You love everything that ever <laughs> anybody ever does. I, I just can't. I can't take <laughs> He is the, literally, he is the, he's the proverbial drunk uncle at the, at the cookout. Look, and, and, and in America, please excuse my French, what I'm about to say. Austin Carr is just niggerish. He, That's listen, what it comes down to. Listen, I don't know I'm, if it's that or not. I don't even I'm know fine. if it's that or not. I'm fine. Because listen, I can, I can listen to Campy all night. When Campy does his breakdown, Campy knows exactly what he's talking about. It's a, it's a smooth breakdown. I don't know that Campy would be a good color guy because Campy is always so smooth. Campy is right. smooth with his. And he be on, he's on point with his assessments. You know, uh, you know when my uncle's on, he the same way, very articulate, very clear. When he used to do the on, on you know, the on-camera stuff, I didn't like him doing the on-camera stuff either. He's <laughs> like, dude, you're such a freaking homer. Like, why are you such a homer? Oh, man, like Jim Jones back in the day, man, the Cavs would be down by about 35 points. <laughs> a couple more threes, we'd be right back in this thing. Listen, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> like, we down by 40. No, they not. Look, they down by 40 to the Showtime Lakers. Ain't no couple threes finna help them. I'm telling no, you. The classic, the classic Jim Jim Jones line. I'll never forget this. Man, Kevin McHale, we was playing the Celtics. Kevin McHale did a move in the post. And he was like, Yeah, I see Shades of Hot Rod and Kevin McHale. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> She's saying the hot rod and Kevin listen, McHale were the all-time greatest power like, forward of man. all time. Like, listen, bro. Come on, man. You're killing me. Huh? You're killing me. Because huh? you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're killing me. Huh? And shout out to Jim Charles. I love, I love Jim Charles. He's a hard <laughs> too. Always down for the Cavaliers. Man, as a matter dude. of fact, we, we, we might have made the finals if he hadn't broke his when he broke his foot in the Miracle of yeah. Richfield year. Yeah, he hadn't broke his foot, yeah, man. Yeah, he would have made the finals that year. Yeah, they would have. They would have. I mean, back then, that was a that was a fun time in basketball because I think 
kind of everybody had a shot, like legitimately, which is why you saw bullet the bullets in the finals and the and the uh, Portland in the finals and uh, San Antonio playing deep into those San Antonio teams. Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee going deep and stuff like that without without their without uh, Lou Alcindor and without Oscar type Milwaukee teams. You know what I mean? I think everybody legitimately had a shot back then. Uh, it's not quite like that now. I wish it could get back to that. Um, you know, at some point, it would be a funner product to watch. But, and I, I think that's the other part of it. Like you say, you can't watch the games or hardly watch games. I feel the same way because I'm already expecting a, a you know, who's going to be in the finals already. You're already like, right. it's going to be the Lakers in Brooklyn, or at least Brooklyn's pushing to get there, or it's going to be Milwaukee. It's, it's only like two or three teams. <clears throat> With, that has a real shot. So I think that right. uh, should wrap up our uh, NBA yeah. talk for that. In our, and our final be- segment of the day, um, and like I said before, we said this in our in our pre our pre show talk that um, this is not going to be a long conversation. <laughs> so we went and looked up the list of the current free agent Browns for the 2021 season. And when I initially looked at the list, I'm like, damn, that's like 35 dudes on this list. There's a lot, a lot of people to break down. But I started starting going down this list. I was like, man, there ain't nobody on this damn list I want to keep. Not really. <laughs> There's about three dudes on here that I, that I would, that I would now, go out my way now, to now listen. Now listen, I just want to, I want to put this out there uh, for you, Sean, because you know, when I'm trying to figure out what potentially we could talk about, uh, what could fill up the time or whatever, um, I'm always on a search. I'm always looking. And I'm in a, a number of sports groups. Uh, I'm in a number of Browns groups. And they kind of sometimes give me topics because people bring them up. You know, people mm-hmm. talk about them. So I'm like, oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty solid thing to talk about. Um, so I'm in a whole bunch of those types of groups on Facebook, even though for some reason, I don't know what I did or said, but I'm in Facebook jail right now. Uh, for <laughs> I can definitely believe that. I don't, <laughs> they don't take, I don't but nowadays, it don't take much to get to go into no, Facebook jail. It they ain't even, look, they ain't even tell me what I did or said or what I posted. They just, I went to go post at some point yesterday and they were like, hey man, you can't post. I was like, damn, what happened? What'd I say? I wasn't even in no weird yeah, social media is a weird thing, man. I almost got fired from a job um a few years ago with something I posted on Facebook and somehow they found out about it and it wasn't even that crazy. I still ended up getting fired a couple of years later. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so this, else, this but still, man, this whole social media thing is it's weird. And the censorship and thing is kind of crazy. We're in a super we're in this hyper uh sensitive area right now. I could have said nothing, right. but somebody was just mad at what I said and reported it. Yeah. And you know, flag it, right. But it offends somebody. In the, like, cause I don't you can I say don't usually curse. I don't call people stupid or all uh, like that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't do that. I may call you stupid based on what I said. Right. Man, certain things, but you, I'm not you can post you something stupid. like, man, this is some good pepperoni pizza today, and somebody was gonna be like, Yeah. He's uh, he's a pig. He's a pig killer. Yeah, somebody you know is mad. Kills pigs, right? <laughs> and tag you for that. 
All right, they so got now, a pet pig. But anyway, I got this, this uh, topic from one of those groups uh, because there's people who believe, and I'm glad Sean has the opinion that he has, because there's people who believe that the Browns need to waste money, or excuse me, spend money re-signing <laughs> the majority of these guys uh, that have on uh, this list. Because <laughs> here's the thing, because the majority of the guys on this list are on defense. And we had one of the one of the top five worst defenses in the NFL. <laughs> well, not on paper. Somehow, somehow stat-wise, somehow the Browns were in the middle of the road. I don't know how we were in the middle of the road, bro. Not from what I watched. That, the, yeah, the stuff that I watched, it was no way we was 15th or 18th or 20th. No. Well, to me, what I watched at times, it was we were we was 35th. We weren't even close. <laughs> <laughs> right. We weren't even close, man. All right. So this this honestly, as so Sean said, who would you is, is I the guys on here? Who would you sign? Who would you who would you bring back? Out of, out of the guys that are on this list, and I'll I'll bring up a couple names so that the folks at home can uh you know play along with us. So there's there's guys on the list that are uh, probably necessary to, to what we need to do. Uh, Rashard Higgins, uh, we have Olivier Vernon on here, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, BJ Goodson, Malcolm S uh, Smith, Andrew Zendejo, Carl Joseph, uh, Terrence Mitchell, Cody Parkey, Kevin Johnson. Those are probably some of the uh, names that everybody's familiar with because uh, they, they Right, I started going down this. I was like, the other go dudes ain't even worth they, even they're mentioning. Really not. That was like, uh, they're really not. Um, and then there's a couple. Those are those guys that I just mentioned are all unrestricted free agents, which basically means they can walk and go wherever they want to, or the Browns can try to resign them. And then there's a couple guys that are on the restricted list. Uh, Kadero Hodge being one of them. Right. So, out of this particular list of guys. Uh, I would try to resign or resign. I only say try because these guys can decide they don't want to be here. Uh, Rashard Higgins would be my first, um, the first guy I would talk to. Uh, I would need to sit him down and, and get him into at least a three to four year contract. Uh, I think he's shown his worth. I thought that back when Freddie was <laughs> benching the guy, I didn't understand right. why he wasn't getting any any uh, repetitions. I didn't understand why he wasn't on the field. I thought he was one of the more sure guys. He, he proved to be that when he got opportunities to play uh, under uh, under Stefanski and in this offense. He was one of Baker's favorite targets. Uh, and he makes the game easier for Baker. So why get rid of somebody he's already comfortable with uh, and try to force him to get more comfortable with someone else? So he would be my first target. My second target, to be honest, would be B.J. Goodson. Okay, um, interesting. I think BJ is as much as we rode him, especially early. <laughs> we rode him a lot early in the season. Um, he, I saw him get better at what he did. And remember when he was out? Remember when he wasn't? I think he had he had right. COVID, right? So he was out for a, a game or so, and I could tell the difference in the defense. I could tell that he wasn't there. And then when he came back, I could tell that he was back. 
Like, so he had to have been doing right. something right. And he also understands the defense. And if he was calling uh, the plays, you kind of want to have a guy that helps you on the field if you're the deep, if you're Joe Woods. You want to okay. have a guy that helps you on the field to understand what you're trying to do. And I think B.J. Goodson gets that. So I, okay. would, I would bring back B.J. And then there's uh, Carl Joseph. And I thought out of the – aside from Harrison, I think Ronnie Harrison was a great trade. That was a great pickup. So I think when you when Delphit gets back and he's healthy, you got Delphit and, and, and Harrison on the field. But you need a capable backup. You need somebody who's – I think Carl Joseph kind of is like one of those I'm running – he's always running downfield. But right. he's just like going towards the tackle. He ain't going to cover that much. And I, I think asking him to cover might not be what he does. But from the from the strong standpoint, he's that guy. I, w- I would like to have him, especially as a backup, not as a starter. You know, you talk to right. him, see if you can bring him yeah. in. And that's that's that depth. Yeah, I think he's a viable backup to an addition on that squad. And these young guys do need some some help. They need a, a veteran presence. Uh, from the safety spot because Delphi ain't played a down in, in the NFL. Right. So, you know, you get another good uh, role model kind of, so to speak, uh, a guy who's already done it and played. Ronnie Harrison is another guy who's already done it and played. He played in Jacksonville too. So he's a vet, but he's still young. I think he's only in his fourth year. Is this his fourth year? Yeah. So, you know, I think those out of everybody I just mentioned, <laughs> Those are the only three that I would make a run at. Yep. And I only have three myself. Um, I had Carl Joseph. I didn't have BJ Goodson, but you make a good argument for BJ Goodson. I had Kendall Lamb and Richard Higgins. Uh, I and think Kendall Lamb just think, because he played yeah. we need depth. We we showed yeah. that you can lose the offensive lineman at any time and you need depth on the line. Carl Joseph for the same reasons that you mentioned, and Rashad Higgins for the same reasons that you mentioned. Everybody else, um, if you guys need a ride to the airport on your way out of town, <laughs> just go ahead and contact the two guys in the mic 216, and I will personally take you to the airport. And we can stop at Wendy's and get, and get, a, and get a four for four. I'll feed you <laughs> on your way out of here. The only, the only person I really don't have no beef with on this list is Olivier Vernon because he had the Achilles, Hello? man. If he hadn't gotten hurt, I would actually made an argument to bring him back. But now I agree with that. But do you try to bring he may be ready for the season. Now, as, answer me this, though, bro, because I, I, I thoroughly agree with what you with that. I agree with that. Um, and I would add Kendall Lamb to my list. Actually, uh, I left him out, but I would I would I would uh, make a run because that's that's a, that's going to be a cheap. Uh, pickup, and I think he's worth it. Like you said, we need depth on the offensive line, and we talked about that. Us needing the depth, so uh, why why not bring in a guy who understands the scheme? Uh, but right. going back to Olivier, if Olivier doesn't get hurt, bro, I don't know how old Olivier is. Um, he up there. He, he's up there be, football wise. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be. Let's see. We're gonna look up, look it up. He gotta quick. be at least, he's at least thirty. I think he's at least thirty or right at thirty. And with that injury, it does pretty much mean that he's not 
Yeah, he's 30. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you turn Achilles, I pretty much asked like two years from New York. And he'll be 31. He's he's 30 already. So he'll be 31 when the season or during the, the season. And he probably won't even start the season because of when he hurt his Achilles. So right. he made 11 million last year. If he didn't get hurt, if he didn't get hurt, would you make a run at him knowing that he probably was going to have a really solid season and probably want similar money to this? Yeah, the Browns have the cap space for it. We do. Now, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm so, not, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't give him a long-term deal. I'll give him about a two-year deal or one. I don't know if you can do one with an option in the NFL. I know the NFL contract's a little bit different than all the other major sports, um, but I'd rather do that than the, than, than, the, than the stupid stuff I heard on the radio today. You know, people are so, so enamored with, with J.J. Watt. I'm like, J.J. Watt is done. Listen, I, I don't understand. He's a great place a Hall of Famer. But it was like, yeah, well, I, it was like, I'll trade OBJ for J.J. Watt straight up. I'm like, man, y'all insane. Like, are you nuts? All right. I'm going to look are up his nuts? stats right now. Like, J.J. Watt's. He hasn't had like a double digit sack season, I don't think, in a couple of years. Are you crazy? These guys would do what? Right. Everybody's enamored with they think he's the same JJ Watt from you know three and four years ago, and he's not. Unfortunately, a lot of Browns fans are not uh football fans. And what I mean when I say that is they don't they don't know. They don't have football knowledge. Like they're not watching the games. They just hear no. a name. And JJ Watt has been one of the best, biggest names in, in basket, excuse me, in football for a number of years. So I, I understand how you're like, oh, it's JJ Watt. But this isn't the JJ Watt uh, straight oh. out of Wisconsin. JJ if you Watt. look at this year, man, JJ Watt had five sacks. Last year he had four. How many games? Huh? How many games did he play last year? He played 16 this year. What about um, he played eight? He played eight games the year before. God dang, he had played eight games and had six sacks. That's yeah, he two. played eight games and had four sacks. Oh, four sacks. Okay. Right. Then he played the year before, he played all 16 and he had um 16 sacks. The year before he missed the whole season. No, he played five games. The year before that, he was hurt. Two, so he was there. So 2016, in 2017, he was he played five games total, and he's had some some significant injuries, like injuries that at his age, what is he, 31, 32? No, I don't think he's that old. He is. Uh, hold on, let me look at his bio. He was born. It's funny when you pull up something and it's staring you right in the face, but you go blind because you feel under pressure. To get the information on. He's 31. You're right. He's 31. He was born in 89. So, so, so he'll be, he'll actually be 32 this year. Now, what's crazy is, despite those stats I just gave you, he still, his career has 101 sacks. Really? Yeah. Sheesh. That, yeah, right. So, so when he's in his prime, he was dominant. But evidently, looking at those numbers, he's not the same guy. And I'm not just looking at everybody's looking at his name, JJ. Like, no, like I'm looking at the actual production on the but field. What, 
But that's, what an actual, that's what an actual fan of football does. We, we, we actually go in and we pay attention to what's actually happening. People who live on emotion say stuff like, we should trade OBJ for J.J. Watt straight up. What? And on what earth would that even, nobody on earth would make that trade. If, no matter who had OBJ. Not 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 this not this JJ Watt, right? Not this JJ Watt. Maybe the JJ Watt. Watt. Yeah, you get you give me TJ Watt for OBJ straight up. Yep. As hey, a matter listen, of I'm fact, consider it. I'm gonna at least consider it. As a matter I, of fact, um, speaking of Pittsburgh, Bud Dupree is a free agent. So sure is. Barry, um, Bud sure Dupree is. and Levante David from Tampa Bay are free agents. They sure are. You know, you guys need to start looking at that right now. They sure are. All right, look, Pittsburgh already... is notorious for not paying their guys, especially if they feel that they, if they have to rebuild. You know, and, and and we need speed, and we need lateral speed, and we need yes. downfield speed in the linebacker position. Yeah. Guess, guess what? Both of those guys bring. Exactly. And, and and let me tell you, Bud Dupree not only brings that, but he's a sure tackler and he has football instincts. These are things okay. that we need defensively. We need guys that have a football instinct, sure tackling. I don't mind the hit stick hits, but I need you to also make a tackle when a tackle yep. is needed. And Levante David is just solid from sideline to sideline, man. That kid, every time I'm watching the Buccaneers game, he's always in every play on defense. He's somewhere yep. around the football. And you can't teach that. You need that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, let's hope that we can – and we don't necessarily have to, you know, spend a ton of money to get these guys either uh, because the Browns have so much cap space. You know, we could we could sign all of these guys to two- or three-year deals and, and be out of whatever we owe them soon. And the reason that I say that is because you got some guys, you know, Baker – the potential of Baker's contract is going to come up. We are already paying a boatload of money to uh, to uh, Miles, which is deserved, to be honest. Uh, but you don't want those contracts to start butting heads, so you don't want to do a whole bunch of long-term. Well, and I think that's why the Browns were smart. Like, yeah, we sacrificed a lot on defense, but they signed a lot of those guys. All those guys we mentioned, they all came here on one-year deals. One-year deals. You weren't tied to them. So – like people will argue that like, yeah, man, we should have brought back Schobert. We should have brought back Kirksey. But those guys weren't going to give you what you actually like, need. Like, like, like for the money that Schobert is making right now, he should be out there like Ray Lewis or or uh or or, or Luke Keekley. And Schobert is solid. He's a very good linebacker. Yeah. But for that money, sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward sometimes. So now when you've got this list of 30 dudes that's probably coming off the payroll <laughs> probably next year, now you've got not now you've got some maneuverability. Now you can make a more calculated decision. Okay, maybe we can spend a little bit on Levante David or Bud Dupree or somebody like that because we saved so much on the back end before, you know, and make a run at it. So yeah. we'll see that that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Andrew Barry seems like a very smart man, not really much tied with emotion. 
Um, like I said, the only person that I would be upset if they don't bring back is Richard Higgins. Yeah, I don't know. Don't I don't know what because Kevin Stefanski said something that, that surprised me. Because he, when they were talking about the fumble and the hit, you know, Kevin Stefanski didn't make any excuses for Richard. He was like, "Look, you can't extend the ball. I don't." He said, "I don't teach that. I don't teach you extending the ball out on the goal line because you can fumble the football." But but then he said that Richard Higgins is a warrior. He's done everything we've asked of him when he was on the scout team. I was like, why was he on the scout team early in the season? So evidently, he just must not be a good practice guy. He just doesn't flash and practice. He's probably not fast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He must not be. Like, it's something that he's not doing in practice that allows or makes, rather, the coaches feel like, what is he doing? Why is he over there? Why is, you know what I mean? And there's people that's, that are like that. I, I know, I remember a guy that used to practice. We would be in practice, man. This dude used to look great in practice. All, every practice, he'd show up for everybody. And then we'd get on the field and it'd be like, he, it, like it was almost like as if the lights went on. You know, you know how you turn on the lights. If you got if you, anybody who's ever had roaches in the house, you turn the lights <laughs> like this. <laughs> That's how, like, <laughs> you would turn the light on. Like, this dude would just be, like, froze. Like, he didn't know, you know, what to do next or whatever. So, I don't know what. I I, I, I never even thought about that because I didn't hear that quote. But I never thought about it from that angle. The only person that didn't have him, like, deep on the bench or, or, or upset with him was, like, Greg Williams. Greg Williams was fine with him. Um. Yeah. And that's that's how we figured out that he was any good was because he played during that time. And then right. the next year we were expecting bigger things out of him. And uh Freddie like basically almost just did away with the dude. He right. didn't care. Look, he didn't care who was catching the ball. It wasn't finna be Rashard Higgins. And I guess so hopefully, man, hopefully they see the value in him and 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 bring him back at a decent number. Now, because the thing is now. I think a team may make a run at Richard Higgins. Oh, heck yeah. Somebody's going to make a run. And somebody's right. going to deal with whatever that thing is that he doesn't do. He'll go to a more, maybe a more structured, more regimented team. Like, let's say he goes, not that they need it now, but just saying, for instance, let's say he goes to a Seattle. They, they got a quarterback for sure. They got an offensive structure. You're going to have to do this. This is what we need you to do. That's what the expectation will be. What if he goes to Tampa and it say TV 12 comes back? You got your quarterback. Here's what we do here. Boom, boom, boom. This is what we need you to do. Right. You know, make that clear. So I don't know if the Browns aren't being clear enough with him, like what the expectations of him specifically are. If they're just kind of blanketing, because like Kevin Stefanski might say, we don't teach that. Well, were you teaching the the whole of the wide receivers, which is still understandable because if you don't teach it, you don't teach it. Um, or were you talking to him specifically? Like after that, did you go to him and say to him, hey man, we don't teach that. We don't teach you stretching out. I don't understand that. To be honest, you're close to the goal line and you want to make the score. I think that shows a lot for his effort. Uh, speaking of Rashard. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a natural instinct to do that. And, and that's what I mean. Like, I just think that if 
I'm that close and this is a playoff game. I need to try to help my team and I'm going to try to extend this. Now, the thing is, and this is where I've landed on that. <clears throat> Everybody else giving me a hard time because, oh, he got hit in the head. My thing is this. If you extend the ball, knowing you're going to get hit, I don't care if he got hit in the head or not. You got to hold on to that damn ball. Yep. That's just it. I'm the same way. Because let's say he doesn't get hit in the head. Where he was and the way that Sorensen was coming at him, he even still if he going to drop that damn ball. There it is. You, If this is the effort, which I'm okay with, if this is what you're going to do, I'm going to need you to make sure that you secure the ball. If nothing else, <clears throat> and that didn't happen. So there's some things that definitely need to be discussed. And I ain't going to try to tell the coach how to better organize or better clarify what he's doing. He the coach. So I can be upset at it and I can be frustrated by it. But at the end of the day, that's his job. That's what he does. And we all have to, as fans, be mad in the corner and just hope whatever it is that he's telling these guys is going to work at the end of the day, especially work for our beneficial uh, situations, which is winning football games, being 11 and five. And let me tell you all right. something else. Let me tell you all something else. It's, this is a scary statement and I'm getting ready to say. When 11 and five barely gets you into the playoffs, we're going to have to be better next year. Oh yeah. Going to have to be better. Well, 11 and 5, we listen, every team under us was 11 and 5. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you what, based on our, our offseason moves, they're going to predict the Browns to not only win the uh, AFC North, they're probably, the, the KC will probably still be the favorite, but the Browns are going to be just like how we were coming into 2019. Mm -hmm. The Browns are going to be that it team again. Here we oh, go yeah, again with, with the offseason hype. It's so crazy. It's coming again. It's so crazy that it happens that way, but that's how it happens. These guys. It's coming again. So now there will be a target on your back. If the Browns get almost relevant, everybody, we're the sexy team to pick, whether it's going to happen or not. We're the sexy team. So I think you're right. I think that these guys, they're already there. People are already there. So, like you say, depending on who we end up signing, re signing, uh, whoever we end up picking up free agent wise and whoever we end up drafting. If guys come back healthy and guys come back, you know, like Delphi, Delphi got hurt so early in the, in, in the quote unquote uh, practice and OTA sessions that he, he might be ready for the season. Actually, he should be, he should be, he, he might actually be fully like a full go-go and that'll be great because he needs to have that time to practice. Let's work out those kicks right. in a preseason game and uh, see how that, you know, how you how you do there. But uh, that is the hope. So you get those guys coming back. You get all these guys healthy and coming back. Man, he's in a, in a, in a relatively decent defense. I don't even know if you need, if, if we needed this year, if we needed to be the best defense ever. I don't think we needed to be that. And we still would have won 11 possibly. Honestly, we could have won 13 games this year. Almost, this, definitely. This team could have won yeah. 13 games this year. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 two games off the top of my head, 
that we shouldn't have lost, the Jets and the Dan Raiders. Two games we shouldn't have lost. 13-3, you win the division, you get a home game in the playoffs, and then who knows what happens. And then who knows or from there. But yeah, it's all good. You know, again, uh, as we said to the Cavs fans, I'll say it to me and I'll say it to Sean. I'll say it to everybody else. Let's temper our exuberance a little bit. Uh, it is exciting for one of the few times to be in the offseason as a Browns fan. And hopefully. Right. And, and also, uh, a, qu- a quick side note, um, the Indians did not sign Brad Hand, so I guess we don't need a closer anymore either. So, 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 so two things the Indians don't need uh, is a shortstop and a closer. Brad Hand had one of the best seasons he's ever had last year, and we don't need him. So um, <laughs> on, on that note, because I know because we're about at, at two hours right now, we're trying to get our show under control because sometimes me and RP can get long-winded. So, bro, so we're about at about that two-hour mark now. So, um, do you have anything else that you wanted to add, Listen, or man, you can't, you can't, to make it make. you can't end the show on those type of comments? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man, the Indians are pissing me off. They probably don't uh, piss me because because I expect them to to not sign people in the cut paper, but they they're really going too far. At this point, they just they just don't give a damn. At this point, this this is just the Dolans being the Dolans, bro. This is what they do. This is what the Dolans do, man. And here we are, back in back at square one again. You know, back exactly. at square. They making listen, Tito. They making Tito's job that much harder every year. Hey, man, look. So well, what the Indians are banking on is all those guys that been, you know, cooking up in the in the minor leagues, kind of. The Bobby Bradleys and the Josh Naylors, those guys, and uh, Oscar Mercado, they basically saying, "Hey, you're already now a Yank." And this, this, this are probably this season could either be the '94 Indians when Baerga and Albert Bell and all those guys coming into their own, they came into their own, and Kenny Lofton Mm -hmm. at one time. Or it could be the 86 Indians with Corey Snyder and, and, and Brett Butler and them. It was supposed to be this great. <laughs> and you lose the next best you lose 101 games. And you lose right. 101 games. <laughs> <laughs> it's either going to go one or two ways. It ain't going to be no in-between. <laughs> it's, it won't be no in-between. Either the Indians going to have a great, young, exciting team, or they're going to suck with a great pitching staff that gets overworked because they don't have nobody to back them up hitting. And it's going to take a while, man, for guys to want to be in that stadium and watch the games. So, <laughs> right. Because you don't have anything to go for. I mean, and I'm talking about because most fans, most baseball fans are casual baseball fans. Yeah. They're not the people. I mean, the people that go to the stadium type fans. Baseball fans are baseball fans. You and I will probably watch regardless because we're baseball fans. Yeah, we'll go regardless and sit in the stadium. And man, some people go; they they go to Progressive Field to eat and drink. Uh, yeah, and socialize. This is a, a great place to sit down and eat and drink too. It's a social event. As baseball is a social event. You go to eat uh, ten dollar hot dogs and twelve dollar beers. That's what yeah. you're in the building for, and to talk to your friend and to laugh. And if it's a day game, because I love day games, to to kind of giggle at the fact that you're not at work at one o'clock and you're tanked at one and <laughs> you know right that's 
that's like it's nothing better than that. There's yeah, there's no better feeling than to be walking into that stadium and you can smell the peanuts and the popcorn. I know people are probably like, Are you serious? This is it's nothing like walking in the building smelling the peanuts and the popcorn and grabbing a beer and a hot dog and it's say 75 yeah. degrees outside, which is a perfect temperature for baseball. It's not too hot, not too humid. What's better than that? It's not much. Exactly. And you with your homies, it's not much right. better than that. So ain't no pressure, ain't all that aggression. Like you go to a football game, it's all that aggression. You know, it's, it's baseball uh, is so chill. You sit down, chill. put your feet up, you hope hope a foul ball come your way. Uh, ho- hopefully a fireball comes your way and you don't have to fall over them hard ass seats to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll get into the Indians a little bit more. We we kind of tipped on it uh, the other in one of our last shows, uh, which is why I'm telling son he can't end the show with that kind of statement. <laughs> Man, it just had crossed my mind. I was like, man, these bastards. He wasn't that frustrated. He wasn't that frustrated at the Frankie trade, but now, now he's pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little more pissed off because I, I, I just felt like they're ruining stuff. But you know, he was looking at it more philosophically. Now he's pissed. <laughs> it's just the accumulation of it all. Like, are we going to be, be able to fill a major league team out there? But hey, I think they're here nor there. Um, so you can reach us at reach us like we're in a damn phone book where you can <laughs> follow us at two guys in a mic 216 on YouTube, two guys in a mic 216 on Facebook and Instagram. And then you can you can uh stream us on any streaming platform, iTunes, uh Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. So Apple Podcast too. What's that? Apple Podcast too. Yep, 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 yep. So um and I see a few people interacting with us. We have about two or three hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, we appreciate y'all. Like I said, any you guys, you know, comment, um, interact with us, and we'll definitely interact. It may take us about two or three days, but we'll get back to you <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely uh, check us out, man. We're trying to make this thing grow a little bit. So, um you know the more listeners the better the more interaction the better so yeah you got any closing comments sir nope just uh hit that subscribe button when you come to the face i mean uh the youtube page again like sean said comment uh like our pages on facebook and instagram uh we love you guys appreciate you guys uh taking out time to be uh to to, to listen to us rant and rave kind of go crazy at certain points uh, we appreciate it. Again, let, let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you like it. Let us know if you hate it. It's all good. We love you guys. Love you, Sean. Uh, right, have love a you good too, weekend. Uh, you too. Be safe, everybody. Peace. All right. Peace out. You've just listened to Two Guys in a Mic with Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Tune in to us on Sunday after the NFL games for our next podcast. Until then, peace.